Hey everybody, this is Josh McKinney, and I just want to welcome you to the newest episode of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. So today, I've got a different episode for you. Um, we are in an undisclosed location. I went from the super dark studio to the whitest room in the world, and so that's where we're recording from. And um, I have a bunch of questions. This is the first time we're doing a Q&A on Thursday that like I had more questions. I had too many questions. And so I picked some of the fun ones. I picked some really good ones too. And um, we will get into those. If you guys were wondering why there was not a Tuesday episode, I'm going to tweak the release schedule just a little bit of the show. I think we're going to go down to two Tuesdays a month for right now. And then um, I still plan on doing four interviews this month. This month is this next month. It's still November um, when this episode's coming out. But in the month of December, we will be doing four interviews total. Um, we already have those recorded. We're going to start out next week doing two interviews, one on Tuesday, one on Thursday. Um, and these are going to be uh, with uh, three guys total that have a similar story, this story of going from wrestling their whole life, wrestling competitively, wrestling at really high levels collegiately in, into now all being belted in jujitsu, um, being jujitsu guys now and what that looks like and what that transition looks like. So if you wrestled, if you came up wrestling, I'm telling you, you are going to absolutely love those episodes that come out next week. Um, but just a little note on why I'm tweaking the amount of episodes that are coming out. Uh, something I've noticed is listens wise, um, there has come this point when we started doing eight a month, eight whole episodes a month, that it seemed like our listens per episode kind of took a hit. And something else I was noticing is that there are a lot of I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show faithful listeners that when they would screenshot the episode and tag I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show, throw it on their story and tag the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show or me, Josh McKinney, they would, they would tag me and it would be like um, – they would be a few weeks behind. And these were people that would listen um, religiously to the show. And I just noticed that like with how much we're putting out, it's just a little bit hard for people to keep up with the show. And I think that's one of the fun parts about the Isaka Jiu-Jitsu show is the ability to keep up with it, the ability to know that every Thursday there's going to be a, a good episode where we're going to talk about Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, so I just decided I don't want to go down to four episodes yet um, per month. If the six episodes is still too much, then we'll go back down to four. But I think that six is going to be good for us to do a, a good amount of Q&A episodes and then still do enough interviews to uh, really keep introducing you to different people and different ideas, different concepts. Uh, and that's just kind of the plan for right now. But we're going to keep playing it by ear. We're going to keep seeing um, seeing what the best way to, to, like I said, serve you guys. Um, like we talk about with these Q&A episodes, that's why I've been loving doing these Q&A episodes is because I get to I get to serve you guys a little bit differently, and um, they've been a lot of fun for me. And I noticed, like I said, I had more questions than I really am going to have time for. And so um, that really makes me happy that people are, are doing that. Um, so I already threw a little note in there. 
for the people that are I suck at jujitsu show faithful, I don't know if you guys know this, but there is nothing better for you to do for the podcast than to screenshot the episode you're listening to, especially if you enjoyed it, if you want to say something kind, um, but to throw it on your Instagram story and to tag me, uh, that is, um, man, not to guilt you or anything, but I'm putting out this show for free, man. And, uh, it takes you, it takes you two minutes to, to do a screenshot and to, to throw it on your Instagram story. So I am guilting you. Um, uh, just like I guilted you guys into all the five-star reviews, which if you haven't given a five-star review, I haven't asked for a five-star review in months, but if you haven't given a five-star review to the Isaka Jiu-Jitsu show, you should, you should do that. <laughs> so, um, but without further ado, let's get into our Q and a still for right now. I think until the beginning of the year, the beginning of the year, I plan on having the website up for you guys to just be able to click a link and ask a question. But, um, until then the best way to ask questions, send me a message on Instagram, um, send me an email, or sometimes I'll even ask for questions on my Instagram story. And we have questions from all three avenues. Um, Josh at simplifyingjujitsu.com is my email. I didn't say that, but, um, I'm really excited about the, the questions that we have and a, a good one that we are going to start with today. Um, is um is just this question on on kind of training and who to learn from and um i'll just go ahead and get into this was sent to me by email so it's a little longer um hello from manchester england shout out england um and all you english people listening i am i am glad that you guys can still understand me even though i speak american um but just joking <laughs> but shout out from england first off i love your podcast think they're amazing like I say, if you want to get an, a question actually answered, start the conversation with, I love your podcasts and think they're amazing. I'll answer anybody's question that is about that. You could be like, hey, I love your podcast and think it's amazing. What's your social security number, Josh? I'm answering that question. Um, so my question is, I started training three months ago and the gym I'm training at is relatively new. So much so that the highest belt excluding the coach is a purple belt, then a couple of blues and mostly whites. Do you think that it is detrimental to learning not having other brown and black belts around the place? Obviously, listening to the people that have been training even a month longer than me is helpful, but just curious of your opinion. Okay, so um, I'll start with, so last time I talked to Heath Pedigo, um, I, uh, he and I were, I think we were the, the St. Louis invitation or no, no, um, St. Louis open. And he and I were just talking about training, coaching, all the different stuff. And he had just come home, um, from doing a big seminar tour in England and something that he mentioned to me. And I noticed this too. I've never been, but, um, I noticed this too, is he talks about, uh, man, England feels so much like the Midwest feels jujitsu wise five, eight years ago. Um, he's like, it, it really feels so similar. There are so many small gyms that have one or two really, really high level guys, really tough guys. And, um, and everybody is, is training hard and everybody's is being tough there and learning jujitsu through that lens. And, um, so that's kind of where I go with that. I think I have some authority to speak on this because when I started jujitsu in the Midwest, 
uh, 15 years ago, my coach, my head coach was a purple belt. Um, he was a three stripe purple belt at the time. He's still my coach to this day, Kyle Watson. He's now a, a, a third degree black belt, but, um, something that, you know, that, that made me realize very early on is that you don't have to have a black belt or you don't have to have a ton of black belts to be able to be good at jujitsu. What you have to do is you have to have a coach. You have to have a guide. And so the thing about a coach is a coach's job is to kind of get you from one place to another. A lot of times in jujitsu, they have a lot of knowledge that they can do that with. They can say, okay, well, I've competed for a really long time, or I know these different techniques that I've learned that I've mastered, and I can show them to you. And a lot of times in jujitsu, that is the answer. But even so, now in jujitsu, there is so many different techniques that are just free. There are so many different concepts. There are so many different ideas on training that are just free online. I think it's becoming less important to have a, a, a ton of black belts at your gym. Um, I think that, you know, just like you said in your question, you are getting better by asking questions from people that are a couple months ahead, right? Um, that have only been, you know, that are maybe even still white belts and um, they are giving you this information. Now, um, let me answer this a few ways. One, when you are getting information like that, and this doesn't just come with, you know, just somebody being a white belt, but like when I learn from other black belts, this is something that is still so important that I still do to this day. You test that information. You test to see if it is correct because um, not all information is good. Not all information is what you need. A lot of times people like they tell you what they needed to know when they were a white belt and you just have to assume like, okay, this is right. If you try it and you try it for a, a, a week or you try it for even a month or even a, a few months and you notice like, hey, I can't get this to work. One, you can always ask again, hey, why is this not working? Um, but two, what you'll start to notice is like, oh, maybe this wasn't the best advice. And so much of getting good at jujitsu is going to be testing advice over and over and over, right? Um, even your own, right? Even the things that you know to be true and you're like, oh yeah, um, this is the best way to pass the guard. I'm sure of it. Um, after you test that, you know, that way of passing the guard, what you'll notice is if you are interested in learning, you're interested in progression, three years from now, you're going to have a different opinion on the best way to pass the guard if you let yourself. And so I think, you know, in jujitsu, it's not a big deal if you aren't surrounded by high-level guys. There are so many gyms all around the world still that don't have a black belt coach, that the head coach is a purple belt. Um as long as your coaches, your coaches is morally lining up with you, as long as um, it is not frowned upon to try to get ideas outside of the gym or to to learn from the blue belts and the purple belts at the gym, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think that if you like the culture, I think that's probably more important than anything because it's going to keep you consistent for a long time. And if your goal, which I think all of our goals should be this. Your goal is to get good at jujitsu. I think that whatever helps you just stay consistent 
you know, if it's the right group of people, that's more important than anything. And so, um, yeah, I don't think that there's anything wrong with training for, you know, training at a gym that doesn't have, even if, like I said, your gym has a black belt coach, but even if your gym didn't have a black belt coach, I still don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, um, I think you look at the uh, one more other perspective of this. I have guys at my gym that they were around when I was teaching as a brown belt. Um, and when, you know, when I got my black belt and then, you know, a couple of years, like a year later, we moved into a much nicer facility and a much bigger facility. And there are these guys at the gym that have this really cool perspective. They call it the blue room. Um, it was this very small, actually it was an apartment that we turned into a jujitsu school. And, um, they have this really cool perspective and they get to tell stories and talk about this, the blue room. And to me, I just think that, um, you know, there's something special about training at a, at a newer jujitsu school. Not that that's for everybody, but if it's someplace you end up staying, you know, there's something special about that. I've had the same coach since he was a purple belt. Um, and I've gotten to see him go through that journey of learning and him go through that journey of, uh, he didn't even have his own school at that time. Um, him start his own jujitsu school and him turn his jujitsu school into, you know, one of the bigger jujitsu schools probably in the country. And uh, to, to see that and to get that to me is, is absolutely awesome. It's just so cool. And so um, I would say that, no, it's not going to be detrimental to your learning. And then also it could even be fun. It could even be cool. Um, so here we go. Next one is, how do you deal with bigger opponents that are sitting back, um, you know, from your guard? And so this is, um, this was on from Instagram. And I think that this is, um, you know, I, I don't usually answer technique questions on the podcast, but I thought I could answer this one or at least give some perspective on this one. And so um, something that's going to be really important when you're going with somebody, especially that is bigger than you is having an understanding of like pushing and pulling, okay? Um, and I don't even teach, like a lot of people talk about like a push-pull concept. I don't really teach that very often. Um, but when it comes to when it comes to teaching, a lot of times I teach this idea of not overreaching. And there is this problem for most people when they're playing guard that they try offense at the wrong distance, okay? So most of the time, for you to be able to do offense in jujitsu, you're you need their chest over your hips. Okay. Um, you know, all of your upper body submissions, your arm bars, your triangles, your omoplatas are gonna come from chest over hips. Or when you're butterfly sweeping somebody, you need their chest over your hips. When you fall and their hips are over your hips and their chest is over your chest and you're in butterfly guard, you end up smushed. You know, you're asking about specifically bigger people when you're playing half guard. And again, you start to play in your position and you notice like, okay, I am chest under chest. That usually means I'm in danger. You almost need to keep their chest off of you completely in that situation. So something you look at when somebody's sitting back, what they're doing, yeah, they're keeping a really strong base, but what they're doing is they're getting you most likely to pull on them. And a lot of times you pull on them and you pull them right past your guard or you pull them right to chest over chest. Something that's really easy for the bottom player is instead learn how to wrestle up with a body lock. 
Okay. In those situations, when somebody is, um, when somebody is not engaging you, they're sitting back, you know, they're sitting butt to their heels, or they're just not giving you the distance that you need. Pulling them, trying to pull them to the right distance, a lot of times is not going to work. You're going to pull them right past the right distance because they're resisting you, right? And so instead, learning to wrestle up on a single leg, wrestle up on a body lock, I think body lock's even more effective and it's something that almost anybody can do. Um, and what you'll notice is you don't even have to be that good at it. But what you'll start to do is as soon as you start to wrestle up, they will start to push forward. And so your goal was to pull them on top of you, but not pull them too close. Well, now they're pushing forward and then you can fall back to the guards you want to fall back to. Their posture is going to be broken and it's going to make a big difference. Um, I thought I would just try a little um, little thought on explaining a technique. I don't usually do that. I think um, this is a good one. I really liked this one. Do you think it's better to add judo or wrestling sessions to supplement your jiu-jitsu? So my coach has always been huge on wrestling. I'm from the Midwest and it is huge on wrestling. Like I told you guys, I have three of my students I'm going to interview next week. All are high level wrestlers. And um, I can kind of look at this in a few ways. One, you know, people will say, well, yeah, in the gi, you definitely want to do judo. Um, but the problem is judo is very limited anymore, at least in America. Um, I, I hear that if you're training in a different country, it may not be this way. Um, but in America, judo tends to be pretty watered down. And um, even Olympic judo, the rule set, it doesn't allow for single legs and double legs. And so um, singles and doubles are so important in in wrestling, right? Or in, so important in jiu-jitsu because that's where most takedowns come from. Now, the other side of it, is if you're training pure wrestling, there is no acknowledgement of getting guillotined, right? And so um, I don't think, I think now we're getting to this point in jiu-jitsu where you can learn stand-up for jiu-jitsu. You can learn takedowns for jiu-jitsu from guys that have fought on the feet. I think the better base is wrestling. Um, I think it just translates better to, to jiu-jitsu there aren't suicide throws in wrestling that you give up your back, but, oh, their shoulders touch the mat, right? Wrestling is more chest to chest, and it's more pinning people down. So I just think in general, wrestling is going to work better if you had to choose one or the other. But I do think that we're just getting to a point where you don't have to choose one or the other as much anymore. Um, and, you know, and this is, I know that there are people that have really good judo programs that, at their jujitsu school. I would probably train judo then, right? Um, if your goal is to is to win from the feet, is to get takedowns. I wouldn't say, though, that it is just as black or white as like, oh, just do this. Just wrestle and you'll be good. Just do judo and you'll be good. Um, I think a lot of learning how to win on the feet is less about like when we're thinking about wrestling, we're thinking about judo. Most of the time you're going to go into these classes and they're going to teach you takedowns. And the problem with that is it is it doesn't actually matter most of the time. I find that if you could find somebody that would teach you grip fighting or hand fighting, um, grip fighting in the gi or hand fighting and wrestling, they'll, they'll call it a lot, um, and to teach you the importance of collar ties and to teach you the importance of underhooks, 
I think that that is more valuable than learning how to shoot a disconnected double leg, learning how to do any big throws, learning how to do anything like that. Um, because when we are learning to, when we're trying to translate like wrestling into jiu-jitsu, it is a different sport with different points and different goals. Judo is the same, different points, different goals. And so um, to say one or the other is going to translate perfectly into the jiu-jitsu space, it's just not. But grip fighting and understanding the importance of controlling somebody on the feet, not even taking them down, just learning how to control somebody's body while on the feet, how to wear somebody out on the feet, how to not get taken down. Those things have way more value than any disconnected shot, any big throw. And so um, that's why I look at it's more relevant if you can find somebody that does jujitsu that's good at winning top, whether they have good judo or whether they have good wrestling. They're just good at getting on top because they're going to understand how to play it in a jujitsu sense. And so that's my opinion on it. Um, but if you had to be specific, I would go with learn some learn from if you had to choose one thing, learn Greco-Roman wrestling. Um, it's just totally my opinion on this. I'm not saying that I'm right. I've never wrestled in my life. Um, but I have very good stand up for a, a jujitsu guy that has never wrestled. And most of me getting good at stand up was learning defensive wrestling, learning how to not get taken down, learning defensive grip fighting. And then one day learning the importance of a collar tie and learning the importance of an underhook. And when I started to do that, um, I find that most takedowns that I get are people just failing takedowns on me and um, I get most takedowns. And so just kind of my thoughts on that. Um, this was, I liked this question um, because this kind of, you know, we kind of talked about this maybe a little bit on the first question we did. What have you needed to unlearn and relearn from when you began? Or at the lower belts, what are some things you had to unlearn and relearn? I think that this is just a skill in itself. Um, in jujitsu, still to this day, I am relearning stuff constantly. Um, I am refining stuff constantly. The things that I thought were important, every once in a while I find out that they weren't important and they weren't very helpful and they weren't as valuable as I thought that they would be. And so I would say that in general, learning that learning is just a skill in itself and not expecting one thing to, to get me through jujitsu forever. And basically understanding that like, Hey, I have an understanding of jujitsu today and it will hopefully be better a year from now. And so I don't need to be married to any ideas. I don't need to say, Oh, this is what is important. Um, and you know, that like learning that as a skill has been more relevant to me than anything. Now I will give you a, a few specific things that I used to think of that I used to believe were, were all that mattered. And I did have to unlearn them. Um, and it was like, I, I remember specifically like, um, being a purple belt and being really good at triangles and, um, 
I would win. I, I would do, I did so many tournaments that I have four or five matches and I would literally get four or five triangles. And um, it just was my game. And then towards the end of purple, but mainly into brown belt, it stopped working. I would win, you know, two matches, but I would lose my third because I would gas myself going for a triangle that wasn't there. And, um, you know, even though it was this thing that was great for me at a time, and it was this thing that I go, oh, this will be what I do forever. I had gotten married to this idea of I'm a triangle guy. This is what I do. And it started to be this thing that I was trying to hang on to. And when it finally clicked that like, wait, my guard in general is good. I'm only able to triangle guys because I have a good guard. And I started to add back sweeps. And I started to add some ankle locks from bottom. And I started to open my game up again. That was when I really started to get good from my guard. And then what was crazy is I started to hit triangles again. And so, um, you know, I wouldn't even say that you are getting rid of things, but sometimes, sometimes you leave the thing for a little bit. You know, you are just too close to the picture and you've been obsessing about something for so long. And this has happened to me with a few other things. Knee cut was the same way. Um, I would only knee cut when I was on top and I was great at it. And then all of a sudden it stopped working and I left it and I stopped doing it. And I started Toriano, I started to do other stuff. And then when I went back to the knee cut, my knee cut had gotten better, even though I hadn't focused on it for any amount of time. And so for me, I think that, um, yeah, I think that, that those two things specifically were things that not, I didn't unlearn them, but I left them for a while so I could focus on other things. And then when I came back to them, I had actually learned them and I actually understood them deeper because jujitsu is not a list of techniques that you need to know on the wall. It is a game that you play against another individual. And so um, when I started to think that way, it just started to change things for me. And I still focus on moves for very specific amounts of time or very long amounts of time or ideas for very long amounts of time. But then when they start to get stale, I've just gotten so much more comfortable about being like, no, nah, I don't do this anymore. I don't, I'm not focused on it anymore. It was just like, I focused for years on ankle locks as a black belt and it was all I was doing. And I loved it. And like, I still have people that will come to me and be like, Hey, why don't you ankle lock anymore? I'm like, yeah, maybe I will go back to it eventually. But for right now, it just, there came a point where it stopped being as effective because it was just, I got too close to the picture and everything was about the ankle lock. And then when I would step back for a little bit, you know, I still do throw them up sometimes, but I just, I enjoy playing top more. Eventually, all this passing and this top stuff that I'm gonna do, I think eventually it'll get stale again and I'll need to do something else. And so that's what I kind of mean about this idea of it being a skill of not getting too married to ideas and just being willing to sometimes take a few weeks. Cause like for people that listen to the show, they know how big I am on focus, but something I don't talk about often is how big I am on. All right. You've been focusing too long. You've been focusing too much. You're starting to make jujitsu a job. It's not getting fun anymore. You're not innovating. And I tell myself this and I go, okay, now it's time for something new. And every time I've done that, yeah, I take a few weeks where I'm losing and I'm like, um, you know, not doing as well, but like just going out and just 
training for a couple of weeks with no real intention and just saying, what's, what's happening? What's fun. And then I start like lately I've been hitting, you know, Americanas, Americanas who hits Americanas doesn't even work. Right. But I've been hitting them a lot. And I'm like, well, I guess this is a thing. I guess I'm focused on this for a little bit. And a lot of times they can, you know, you just learn things. You find what you should be focused on organically. You find what you should be learning organically. And so I would never say that I do really unlearn stuff. Um, I just learn it a little deeper. But sometimes when I can't learn it deeper, I just leave it for a little bit and, uh, you know, let it simmer for a little bit and then come back to it. Next question. Uh, where am I at? Oh, no gi worlds next week. First IBJJF as a blue belt in the advice. Don't say stuff like first IBJJF as a blue belt. It's just another tournament. Just go grapple. You know, I, I know that, um, we'll always, we'll always do that. We'll always be like, this is, this is the most important, but it's that same idea of being too close to the picture a lot of the time. And if you get too close to the picture, it'll, it'll screw you up a little bit. Um, not maybe not for everybody, but for me, when I get too focused on it, um, I sometimes I forget to just go grapple, to just go do jujitsu. And that's always my competition advice is you be present and you just do jujitsu. Don't put extra stuff on it, right? Don't put extra because I used to do this. I used to put like, okay, I'm doing worlds as a purple belt, and this will be my last world as a purple belt. And I put all these extra thoughts in it. And then like I might lose to a guy that I had beaten two or three times at the Chicago Open. And I'm like, oh man, I put I put something on this that I didn't put on the Chicago Open and I performed better at the Chicago Open. Don't forget, no matter where the venue is, it's still going to be you and another person on a mat against each other. A lot of times thinking of it like it's at the gym, thinking of it like, if this dude walked into your gym, how would you treat this dude? You would beat him down. You wouldn't let nobody walks into your gym like that. And so that's um, that's my advice on that. Um, and then also, you're tag team. You're on my team. So good luck. Um, go go win because it's really important that you're at the Worlds representing the team. Not just joking. Make sure to have fun. Make sure to just go and do jujitsu and you will perform your best. You will never regret performing your best. You will only regret when you go, man, I just wasn't myself. I wasn't focused on, on doing jujitsu. Um, so make sure you just go out and grapple. That's my advice. This was a great question. This was from, <laughs> this is from Instagram. <laughs> how, to, how do you pick up jujitsu chicks? Um, I assume, I didn't recognize the name, but I assume that this person does jujitsu. Um, I don't know. I feel like maybe jujitsu chicks might cause problem. Definitely, here's a big one. Don't pick up any jujitsu chicks from your own school um, because inevitably, you know, mathematically speaking, most likely you're going to break up at some point. And then everybody has to choose sides from your school. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I don't train with this guy because he's dating the girl that I used to date. And, you know, he always heel hooks me now because he hates me. And it just causes extra drama. So definitely don't. 
also, I've been out of the game for a very long time, so I might not be the best guy for this, but this is how I look at it. This is what I think would work is maybe is maybe you just try to do differently than every other guy. So this is what every other guy in jiu-jitsu is doing. Every other guy's liking old girl's photo. Every other guy's commenting on old girl's photo. Every other guy's trying to find this funny reply um, to the girl's story. Um, then you just become every other guy, right? Or, you know, I mean, it was specific. He said, how do you pick up BJJ chicks, right? You just become every other guy. You got to be different, right? You got to be at least a little a little unique. Um, and so I don't know. This might be me being from the 1990s and, and giving you dating advice from there. I don't know. But maybe you find a girl that you like that does jujitsu. Maybe you don't mess around. Maybe you just straight up ask her to dinner. Maybe, you know, maybe you're weird. Maybe going to dinner is not a good choice. Maybe you have no chance. I don't know. I don't know what your deal is. But I know that the avenue is not like, I, I'm just, I'm just guessing on this, but I'm pretty sure no girl is getting a guy who comments hearts and 100s emojis under their picture. And then is like, oh, this is the guy that I'm going to date. I just don't think that that's the move. I think you got to be cool. And one way you be cool is, you know, maybe, maybe you hit the girl with the follow, right? Maybe you hit her with the Instagram follow and then you go back like three photos and you give her one like, right? And so then she's like, oh, this is the same guy. This is the guy I've met this guy a million times. This is always, these guys are always doing it. Maybe she follows you back. You're in, right? But then you don't contact her. Don't do it. Right. You don't like more stuff. You don't comment. Just don't become every other guy. And then when the time is right, right? It's Christmas time. You know, don't don't do it this Christmas. You need to put in a year of of ignoring her. Um, but like this next Christmas, 2024, you know, you notice like, okay, she's not, she doesn't have anything going on. She doesn't have a boyfriend. You know, maybe training as she's got an ankle injury. She's not training. She's bored at home. Like then you hit her with the, hey, I've always thought you were really cute. I would love to take you to dinner sometime. You be direct. You quit doing the, ha ha, you're so funny. No, she's not funny. That, that meme she posted, she just stole it from a different page. That doesn't make her funny. Quit trying to, quit trying to be that guy. That's just my random advice. It could be wrong, but I would just be unique. Don't be the same guy that every other guy is. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Not my problem. I'm married. I'm good. <laughs> um, which version of yourself would give you the toughest fight today and why? Um, I don't like, okay, I would say maybe maybe just being I, I was in much better shape at the beginning of this year maybe that version of myself could beat me even then i don't know i think i've gotten so much better from having competed so much this year 
that I don't see that, but I definitely know 2022, Josh, I would wreck 2021, Josh, I would wreck. And, um, you know, I just like, I think that's the, that should be the goal. Um, should be focused on getting better all the time. And I just know I'm so much better at jujitsu than I was at those times. Um, even the times I was in better shape. Um, I, Hmm. I could see ankle lock Josh in 2021 posing a threat just because the single leg X ankle lock is so hard to stop when somebody's obsessive about it. But I also know specifically what was stopping me from that, from finishing that ankle lock. So probably there's probably no version of Josh that has any chance, right? Um, I think I would probably kill every version of Josh. I would hope I would kill every version of Josh. Um, I could be wrong, but yeah, I know that. Yeah, I just don't see having any chance. I think that the beginning of the year would be the best chance for me to, to, um, to to do well. But then the fact is too, I know that that beginning of the year, Josh, has a broken ankle, and it's bad enough that all I'd have to do is squeeze it really hard, and he would tap. And so I probably wouldn't be able to win then. Um, I think fat, slow dad Josh would probably still wreck athletic middleweight Josh right now, even though it's only been 11 months. And I I think that that is, you know, I could just be delusional, but I do think that that's a testament to learning how to learn jujitsu and to just compound, being able to compound your learning. Um I just think I know so much more and I'm so much smoother and and better on bottom and on top. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going with this is the best version, even though he is overweight. Um, the smelliest person I've ever competed against. What's funny is I actually have an answer to this. Um, I don't want to, I'm not going to say it because um, he's a famous black belt, but I actually 100% have an answer to this. Um, so I competed against this guy. This is like probably four years ago. And um, our my my buddy Ezra Lennon messaged me after and he goes, hey, did he stink? And I was like, yeah, he did. That's weird. I, I just assumed that, I don't know. You know, he's like, maybe he had a match before and he was smelly from it. He's like, no. He's like, I competed against him five years ago and he stunk so bad. And I was like, this dude's been stinking for five years. That's crazy. If he was not nice to me, he was so nice too, even though he beat me down. Um, uh, if he was not nice, I would have dragged his name through the mud and be like, yeah, this dude stinks, but I won't say it. I won't say who he is, but there is somebody. I do have a smelliest person. Um, okay. So I have two more questions here and I love both of these questions. Let's, I'm going to go with the second one first. Um, how can young up and comers make a living in jujitsu? I think one is you play the long game. Um, yes, you could just try to start to market yourself as a private lesson teacher right now, as long as your school is cool with that. Um, as long as you have a place to teach private lessons. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. I think you could make, I mean, even if you're, even if you're charging 50 bucks for an hour, what other job do you have that you can pay that you can get paid 50 bucks an hour? Probably nothing. Um, you know, you can probably make more in one hour than you would three hours of 
working another job. It's just a matter of marketing yourself to have enough people to do those private lessons. Um, so I think that's one thing. But more than anything, I would play the long game. I would say, okay, how could I get business advice that's going to help me five years from now? Who could I get to mentor me? Maybe maybe you're a jujitsu coach. And if you're really, you like talk about this, if you're really honest and you're upfront, you say, coach, five years from now, I really want to own a jujitsu school or even longer, 10 years from now. How do I do it? How do I go about it? Most coaches are going to be so happy to help you and will, you know, and you, a lot of times you say like, hey, I'm willing to work. I'm willing to work for jujitsu membership, right? I will teach classes for you. I will, you know, do all these things and, and figure it out. Um, but you make it very clear that your goal is to leave, right? Your goal is to do your own thing. And I think that is, for most people, the way to do it. But then there are also people making money doing jujitsu online. You could also do that, make that same offer. Hey, mentor me. I'll work for you a four or five, 10 hours a week for free. But just mentor me. Teach me what you're doing. Help me learn it. And to me, that is something that a lot of young people are not willing to do. But the ones like when you listen to so many high level people, not just in jujitsu, but in business in general, that's something that's this offer that they made. Like so often they talk about, I wouldn't be where I was if I didn't get, um, I was listening to an old interview of the Tim Ferriss show with Jim Collins and he calls it who luck. Um, it's this luck that you get where you get to build relationships with people and it's just lucky. You know, you just find these people that you were just lucky to get to build relationships with. And I could point out so many different people that I've gotten to build relationships with that have helped me so much. And it was just luck. It was just being blessed to, to be around these people. But then also, I would do anything for these people. Like, hey, how can I help you, right? It's not always, you know, same interview. He talks about it. it's not how, how can I repay you? It's what can I do to provide value for you? Right? What can I do to be a value for you? And so many guys, they need somebody to help them at this time, to get them to the next level, but you need them to get you to the first level, to get your foot in the door. And so for young up-and-comers right now, if you were to just if you were to just learn, I think that it would uh, I think it would make such a difference. And let's go to the last question because I just got a text from my wife about about dinner. And so I got to get going. Um, you think differently than the mainstream. Where do you get your inspiration? Any other you like like to or not listen to? Um, any other people you like to listen to or not listen to? Um, I think a lot of the reason that my ideas from jujitsu are a lot of a lot different than most people's is because they don't always come from jujitsu, and most of the time. They don't come directly from jujitsu. Um, this is something we talked about with Mark Vives. Is he had created a a routine on competing, built from NFL players. I just gave you guys business advice from a podcast that has nothing to do with jujitsu, and so sometimes we get too close to the picture and we say, "Well, it has to be jujitsu advice," and it doesn't. There are so many really intelligent people that you could see. Um, these similarities between the art that they pursue or the business that they pursue or whatever they're pursuing, whatever they're doing, and they're so high level 
And even though they're not a black belt in jujitsu, they're able to help you so much. And for me, that has been super game changing. It's just learning from anybody, not just jujitsu people. Um, when I get to conversate with anybody that's high level in anything, I am asking questions. I am beating them down. They're probably leaving and going, that Josh guy has got something wrong with him. He keeps asking me a little too many questions. He's a li- he's getting a little too friendly. Um, and I can beat them up, so I don't care. Remember, they're not a black belt. Uh, but the truth is, when you do that, you start to relate other things to jujitsu, right? Jiu-jitsu is all I really know. And if I can relate business to jujitsu, I'm going to be a lot better at business because I'm good at jujitsu. And so um, that's, I think, why my ideas are not always mainstream from the jujitsu space is because they're mainstream from somewhere else. They come from somebody else and I go, oh, this seems similar. And so, um, yeah, I think I think that's something we could probably dig a whole episode into. But like I said, I got to go get thinner. Um, but that is all I have for you guys today. I uh, hope you guys liked this episode doing just a, an honest Q and a for you guys. I've really been having fun doing these. Um, they just feel, they feel different than any other episode because again, I'm getting to engage with you guys. So if you have any questions, send me an email, josh at simplifyingjujitsu.com. If you liked this episode, be sure to screenshot it throw it on your Instagram story, right? The girl that you're trying to pick up would be like, oh, wow, that's so interesting. He listens to jujitsu podcasts and, you know, you're ignoring her anyway. You know, why not throw something cool on your story so she remembers that you exist? Um, But yeah, that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I hope that you guys win Nogi Worlds. I hope you pick up all the jujitsu chicks that you can. And um, I hope that your jujitsu learning is just absolutely endless. And most importantly, I hope that today's episode helps you guys suck just a little bit less at jujitsu. Have a great day, guys.